Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Of uncomfortable, and uh, uh, it, it, it's it's uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm, I'm already very uncomfortable, um, but he, here's what we know: uncomfortable Christianity is different than the world's Christianity. I'm going to paint with a broad brush there, okay? Um, but but uncomfortable Christianity leads to a transformation in your life. This this uncomfortable place that we walk in, you, you can't sit in what you were if you live in this uncomfortable place. And it's all about serving others rather than being served. Very uncomfortable. It's, it's a life, this uncomfortable Christianity, that's marked by sacrifice, sacrificial living. That's what Jesus has called us to. And, and, and to do life with People, sometimes hard people, sometimes difficult people that you have to do life with for the sake of Jesus, the one that did the hardest thing. So over these next 13 weeks, that seems like a long time, leading us into Easter, I just want to wrestle with what that looks like, being uncomfortable. Here's some of the topics. Don't miss next week. Lust and anger, because... You know, I'll just be preaching to myself, but all you guys will be fine. Um, you know, enemy. There's some good ones coming up that we want you to really, really wrestle in, through, and out of, in the name of Jesus. This week, I want to talk about, and and I am putting really two into one. I'm. This is, you know, bear with me, um, but it, it's so important to start with this first one. God in a box without food. I know that sounds odd. It, it is. Uh, you'll understand once we get going and what it means. But I'm really putting two messages into one, and I'll. I'll you'll see. But it, it's. It's. We need to go there, start there. So let me, let me pray as we get going. Father, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that, that you sent your son for us, God. And, and Jesus, the, what you had to walk through, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to us these next few weeks. Lord, as, as we have peace in the midst of being uncomfortable in what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's start with this, God in a box. I, I, I heard this from a theologian once who said this, Jesus coming to this earth, giving up his divinity, all the power, all the knowledge. He was the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He, has all, he said it would be like this, this picture of, and, and it'd only be a, a small feeling of what it could really be like, but taking all that you are being the creator of heaven and earth, omniscient, omnipotent, omni, you know, just all the omnis, and then just put it in a box like that, just so uncomfortable. The doctrine of incarnation, that Jesus Christ is God and man, yet one person forever. J.I. Packard says this, the plurality of the persons within the unity of God and the union of the Godhead and the manhood and the person of Jesus, nothing in fiction, is as fantastic 
as is the truth of the incarnation. I, I can only imagine, can you just take in all that you are, that God is, and just put it into humanness. How uncomfortable could that be? What might that be like? This doctrine of incarnation has several truths, but two just important truths that we need to understand is this, that here's Jesus, he has a divine nature, and then he has a human nature. In other words, he is both God and man. Look, there are limits in how we can understand this. There's just some things this side of heaven you will not be able to fully reconcile. Your pea brains, except for teachers at... Wait, see, I forgot where it was. Wherever that great school you teach, Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton that you teach at, and great, some of you great minds, but our little brains cannot fully comprehend what that looks like. Fully God, fully man. The fact that Christ is two natures means this, that, that, that there's things that are true of his human nature that are not true of his divine nature. And there are things that are true of his divine nature that are not true of his natural human nature. I want to just go through some of those things. And the reason that I want to lay this foundation is this. The reason that we can have peace in the midst of uncomfortable, being uncomfortable, is, is when I look at the life of Christ and the situations that he walked in, there's this great peace that he walked in in the most uncomfortable situations ever. Let's take a peek. Jesus divine submits himself to human birth. Now think about that. Think about that for a second. It says this in Luke 2, 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the inn for, for them in the inn. This God, creator of heaven and earth, comes as a baby. I don't understand what's the maturation process. I understand that. I've had five kids, so I get that, the belly and, and, and the birthing. And, and, but Jesus submitted himself to this place of being a child. Now, I have five children, so I know what babies do. They eat, consume, and they discard stuff. I, I am blown away that this God chose to show himself as a baby, and walk in that. This one really blows me away. Jesus, in his divinity, submits to his human nature. What does that mean? Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Wait a second here. It's Jesus. Didn't he just come to earth and have the zapping power and know everything and be able to do whatever he wants? No, he's limited in his nature and what he does here. And it says that he grows in wisdom. He grows in stature and favor with God and man. Think about that for a second. Jesus, on this earth, grew in his wisdom. He wasn't ultimately wise in his natural human state. He wasn't omniscient. What does this say to you and me? There's a growth in our wisdom, in our stature, and supposed to be with our favor with God and with man. Anybody have it? Anybody walking in it? Let's go to this one. Jesus and his divinity submits to human betrayal. This one, another one. I mean, each one of these blows my mind. So Judas came to the garden, got into the detachment of soldiers and some officials and the chief of police, or 
police, priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him. Jesus knowing full well that he was getting ready to be betrayed. Jesus knowing that the one he created is the one who's betraying him. Jesus the one sitting there knowing he's getting ready to go to the cross after the, he poured his life for this period of time, three years into this man named Judas, and he still betrays him. You ever been betrayed in the church? Have you ever been betrayed by a pastor? Have I betrayed you yet? If I have and I will. Come on, serious? Look, you walk into the perfect church, turn around and walk out because you're going to screw it up. No such thing. If you haven't been betrayed, you haven't experienced at all that Jesus experienced. How you respond to betrayal is the issue. And Jesus in his divinity submits to human, the created, betraying him. Jesus, divine, submits to human authority. He's standing before Pilate. If I'm Jesus and Pilate's there, and Pilate, you know, thinks he's got it all going, he's, he's running the, the whole, you know, kingdom that he's in, and all the, he's, he's got it all together, and, and, and Jesus is standing before him, and wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate releases Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And, and his only authority that he had was given to him by divine Jesus. Submits it to him. And then what does he do? He has him crucified. How uncomfortable is that? Yet we have a church in America today that comes, I know, I know you're sick of it, that comes on an average twice a month, <clears throat> is not involved at all, has never led anybody to the Lord or preached the gospel to anybody. Not here. It's, it's this tension of being uncomfortable and the peace that God brings when you understand that it's him that does the work in you, not you. It's him that brings deliverance, not you. You don't have to. Jesus in his divinity submits to the created that beat him. I don't get this one. I'm God. You're beating me. I pull out the superhero. I mean, full round kick. Anybody watch the fight last night? Nobody watched the fight last night? Oh, I, I didn't watch it. I saw the highlights and saw all this. Conor McGregor. I mean, uh, you know, I am Conor McGregor on you if I'm back in those times and I'm the creator and you start beating me. In 40 seconds, Conor McGregor knocks out Cowboy, who is like one of the great UFC fighters of all time, and just 40 seconds, he's on his back. That is me. The minute that you flog me, the minute that you spit on me, the minute that you beat me, I am Conor McGregor, Jesus. That's me. <laughs> Mark 15. <laughs> they kept beating his head with the reed, spitting on him. Has anybody ever had a child, your child, that you birthed, that you brought into this world, spit on you? Oh, gosh. And Jesus, beaten, and they're spitting on him. Fully God, fully man. I, I don't know how it all intersects. I don't get it. But I know he experienced. Has anybody felt the uncomfort of someone spitting on you? And maybe metaphorically, just... just whatever they might say about you. 
How do you respond? Has anybody said, dear Lord, how do you do it when your boss, your husband, your wife, your friend, your your dad, your mom just berates you and you have enough confidence in Christ Jesus in you that you're able to respond as Jesus responds in love as opposed to Conor McGregor, Jesus. See, that's what changes the world. Jesus knew that. He submits to the created, beating him. Jesus creates, Jesus divine submits to the created, mocking him. Those who pass by him hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so, you're going to destroy the temple, build it, rebuild it in three days, build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Again, it, 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 has it, anybody in here have kids that, that mo- have mocked them? See, now, we're in a different generation. Let's just, let me just be very, very clear. Okay, so I don't know what the change is. I'm kind of going sidebar here. If I would have ever mocked that man sitting in the back right run, I know he looks nice and kind and tame and stuff. If I would have spit, mocked, or anything like that, you would not be listening to me today. I would not be here today. Yeah, 2020. A little bit different. But Jesus in his divinity allows his created beings to speak disparaging words and mock him. And he allows it. Jesus divine submits to separation from the Father. Now think about this one. This is, this is again, a, a mind-blowing concept. Do you know how to turn that off? Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, it, it is, is, is this. Think about this. In, you, first of all, you cannot understand eternity, correct? I mean, it just, forever. You can't, you can't go there with your mind. But Jesus had been with God the Father and the Holy Spirit forever. Eternity. I, I, I don't know what that, that just, I can't doesn't fit there in my brain. Eternity, they've been together. And Jesus submits himself for you and me in this place for the first time in the history of history, he's separated from his father because of you, because of me. Mark 15, 34 and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said that, which means, my God, my God. <laughs> Ramona, don't laugh at me. I can't speak. The... He says that, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How uncomfortable. Hanging on a cross, being spit at by your created being, being mocked by those who created you, and then being separated from God the Father. See, this, this Jesus divine in his divinity ultimately submits to death. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. Why? Why? Why was he willing to go through all that uncomfort? Why was he willing to just, why? Because he's Jesus the Savior. Because of you, because of Ann, because of Hawken, because of Jim, because of Ben, because of every single one of us 
that comes in a relationship. And this Luke 23, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today I will, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus submitted his divinity to humanity so that you and I can have life. So that you and I can walk no condemnation, no guilt. So that you and I can live in God's peace. Okay, that's, that's the foundation. Now let me flip the next, for the next couple hours on the next topic that I'm going to hit on. It's the best pastor's joke that works every time. You just keep it in your pocket, you pull it out, and everybody still laughs. Okay. God without food. God, God in a box. How could this divine... Now, without food. Without food. After fasting 40 days, it says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I want to hit on this next part that's going to be uncomfortable for you because I'm asking you to do something that we don't like to do, which is not eat food. Okay? I'm going to ask you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Look, fasting is this practice that we see in scriptures. A fast is usually, is, it's, it's voluntary, but I don't want it to be voluntary. I'm deeming that, no, I'm kidding. I, it is voluntary. You, you, you make the choice. You want to get a little uncomfortable and you want to feel God's peace come into your world? Then make a choice here and, 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 and maybe take some time and set aside a time devoting yourself to the Lord. See, because fasting denies your flesh of, of what you want, which is food. What I love, food. So here's what we're doing. I'm asking you to fast this week. Why are we fasting? Let me give you some reasons. Because Jesus did it, and he said that we should do it. He's the best example. says this, when you fast, I think it's Matthew 6, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. They, uh, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. What's he saying? When you fast, what am I saying today? When you fast this week, when you fast this week, don't proclaim it to the world. Don't proclaim it to everybody. Don't walk around like, oh, I can't have lunch because I'm fasting today. You know, that whole thing. Oh, you're so great. When you fast... I'm asking us as a body of believers to fast this week. I'm asking you to be uncomfortable and experience God's peace. I'm asking you to walk in that uncomfort and ask and watch what God might do. Some of you need to fast for guidance this week. Acts 14 says, and then they, they had ordained the elders in every church and had prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Some of you in here need guidance on the next steps in your life. Some of you need guidance on the next job. Some of you need guidance with your children. Some of you need guidance in your marriage. Some of you need guidance in your finances. And what I'm saying this week is you go with an expectancy and you fast and you seek God, I believe he's going to speak to you. I believe he's going to bring the peace that you need. For some of you, I think this is more for me, <laughs> it, it's this place of showing humility in the presence of God. 
David said this in Psalm 35. The man, a man, the man after God's own heart, King David, said that, the fast, that he fasted for the purpose of humbling himself before God. Some of you need to be humbled before God. Some of you need to experience God Almighty as the creator of heaven and earth. Some of us need to come to this place of being face-to-face with God through his word in this place of fasting, realizing that he's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your hurts. He's bigger than your betrayals. He's bigger than all the struggles that are going on inside. He's bigger than your worries. He's bigger than your addictions. He's bigger than all those things. And the humility that it takes to stand or lay or kneel before God and go, I don't know the answers. And some of you need to stop searching for the answers like there's some magic pill and start right here. That doesn't mean you don't pursue what you need to pursue, but start right here in this place of humility in your fasting and just go, oh God, I don't know. Oh God, I need help. Oh God, I need you. And watch what he might do. Some of you need to fast for spiritual strength. When Jesus was tested, it says, while Jesus faced the temptation of Satan, he fasted 40 days. There's a principle of spiritual strength that is demonstrated in fasting in the life of Christ. Some of you need a spiritual strengthening. Some of you need to step out of that beating that you've been taking spiritually. Some of you need to step out of that beating and and step into this place where God empowers you and brings strength. Some of you need to step out of that condemnation and guilt of your sin or your life or whatever you've been through and step into that spiritual place and allow God to strengthen you in who he says you are, not what the world says, not what you believe, the lies that you believe because of what you've gone through and what you've done. You need a spiritual strength. And some of you this week need to fast around this. God, I need you to strengthen me. I need to get out of that pit. I need to get out of that, just that, that self-reflective pity on me thing. We all do it. We all sit there. But I need God's spiritual strength. Some of you need to fast to hear from God. Some of you just need a word from God. I'm going to challenge all of you as you fast this week to ask God, give me a word for 2020. God, give me a word for this year. Give me a word that I can hang on to and when I go to the scripture that I can look at, that I can stand on, that I can, that I can quote, that I can speak out loud when the enemy comes against me. God, I need to hear from you, God. Some of you need are in a place that is, is, is so desperate to hear from God that when you, you come into this place and you, you, you fast and you cry out to God, I believe that God will speak to you in a tangible way through his word, through the still quiet voice, through something that happens in your life this week. If you will just humble, if we will just humble ourselves to a point of going, all right, I'm going to give it up. Maybe, just maybe, God will speak to you. I believe he will. Lastly, fasting helps you renew your mind. I need my mind renewed. I watch way too much television, listen to way too much radio. I I need my mind renewed. And fasting does this. Romans 12, 2 says, God's word tells us, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, literally changed by the entire renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is good and acceptable, 
perfect will of God. There are, are many people in it today who need a washing of their mind and that mindset. And it's neither left or right or Republican or Democrat or, or what choose, you know, Houston Astros, Dodgers. It's none of those things. I don't care if they cheated. <laughs> you need to renew your mind. Some of you feel like you've been cheated. You need to renew your mind. And this time of fasting will allow you to do that. And just get this, this mind of yours aligned with this, the Word of God. Not what you see in these TV screens. But let your mind be washed with this this week. Let your thoughts be washed with truth this week. Let your heart be, be, be encouraged by this Word of God this week. And I say this week, but I am confident as you experience God move, this week will turn into next week and the following week and the following week that God might do something great. How are we fasting? Real quick. We are fasting food. You know, we like a lot of times we go, ah, let's fast, you know, TV or radio. Okay, well, you could do that too. But we are saying right here, we are fasting food. A couple points. Fasting is not Jenny Craig. You are not fasting to lose weight. Although a nice byproduct sometimes is losing weight. That is not your motivation for fasting, okay? Just so we're clear. Like none of you have thought that. Serious? I'm the only one who thought that? <laughs> Come on. Fasting is not skipping a meal. Fasting is not, okay, it's lunchtime. I'm just going to skip lunch and I'm going to do something else. Fasting is taking the time when you would eat breakfast, when you would eat lunch, and spending time with the Lord, seeking the Lord on some of the things we just talked about, praying and reading and, and, and renewing our mind and, and flipping something that we would be doing to satisfy our, our, our hunger and, and we're satisfying our soul. Fasting with an expectation that God will speak to you. Go into this week. Expecting that God will do something. Expecting that he'll do something. I, I, I am convinced that if we go in with that heart of expectancy, God moves. Fast one or several meals a day. We're going to kick it off tomorrow through Saturday, and we'll celebrate here Sunday eating again. Now, I don't know that many will fast that whole time of food. You can be great. Um, so then maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's two meals. Maybe it's sun up to sundown. I don't know. You, you with your conviction, I, I'm not going to be legalistic on that. I don't want to be legalistic. Oh, you got to do it this way. Um, you know, I, I'm, you, you got to do what you feel is the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. But make sure you don't just miss a meal. Make sure you spend time with the Lord. Lastly, write down what God's speaking. If you're going to go expecting God to speak to you, come with an expectant heart that you might write something down, that he might speak to you, that he might give you that word for 2020, that he might bring you the peace that you've been asking God for. These are just some of the parameters when talking about fasting. Lastly, and I won't stay on this, but it, it says this. When Jesus was fast, I'm not going to read all this, but three times Jesus is tempted. And each time that he's tempted, you know what he says? It is written. Meaning this. You never fight thoughts with thoughts. I say this all the time. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight crazy thoughts with the Word of God. 
The enemy comes and he's tempting Jesus. And Jesus three times go, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now the funny thing is, at one point the, the devil comes in and he goes, quotes Jesus and says, for it is written. Look, here's the deal. The enemy always twists that which God gives and the real deal. We stand on this word and the enemy tries to twist it. We stand on this word and we spend time fasting. And he goes, oh, that's so legalistic. And that pastor, he's, he's starting a new cult. You can't do it. You know, all that stuff. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. Stand on God's word. It is written. Jesus fasts and is tested. Then immediately after the Bible says he steps into his ministry. Maybe. Just Maybe you'll step into your ministry. Maybe, just maybe, if you take this time and consecrate yourself and go, God, I, I don't understand. It's kind of crazy, and he's loud, and, and he said a bunch of stuff, but I, I, and I, I don't. But you know what? I, I'm going to try this, and I'm not going to eat lunch this week, and I'm going to replace it with your word, and, and I'm, I think you're going to speak to me. Maybe, just maybe, you'll use me. Jesus stepped right into his ministry. The moment after he came out of 40 days of fasting. My heart is that you, us, over this next time of being uncomfortable, will step fully into the ministry that God has called you to. Maybe someone here is called to prison ministry. I don't know. We'll see. But there's a million things that God has called us. But I do know this, that the word minister is about you, not about me. You're ministers. You're ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's calling you into your ministry, whatever that might be. Whatever that might be. I've, I've made up these cards, and, and when we come and have received communion, grab one of these. This is a reading for the week, so it gives you reading, so you don't have to worry, what am I going to read? You can, you can, it's very clearly, you can grab this, take it with you. On the back, let your prayer this week be thankfulness. So on the back, my lovely wife wrote thankful on all of these cards. So just to take it with you, let it be a reminder. Did you spell it right? Yeah, you did. Um, at least on this one. Who knows about the other 80? Um, uh, it, it gives you a reading schedule, just Read it, and then let your prayer start off with thankful. Thankful. God, we're thankful. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.